Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ath Geeks Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian, and shaking my head. I don't know how I didn't catch it when I was recording. I didn't catch it. I was editing everything. I'm sure, you know, you already seen the episode. It came out last week and everything. The re the NBA redraft for the 2016 NBA draft. I kept saying the 2015 draft the entire time. It's like I was saying the players from the 2016, but I was saying 2015. I don't know how I confused myself. But anyways, here is the actual 2015 NBA redraft. Um, we're gonna see how this one goes. Now that it's the real one, but I don't I, I like this draft. I like this draft a lot. I think this is a it's a really, really good draft class. So you know, we got we got some big names in here. We have big names in here. I'm going to go ahead and read off, you know, the top 16 original picks and some other notable names. Every single player I'm about to name, you're going to know more than likely because this this was a very very, you know, popular draft. I wouldn't say it's popular. It had some it had some good players in it. It probably wasn't one of the best ones, but it had it had some good players in it enough to where you would know you would know the players. Um Number one, the Minnesota Timberwolves took Carl Anthony Towns at number one. At number two, the Los Angeles Lakers took uh, D'Angelo Russell. Number three, the Philadelphia 76ers took Jaleel Okafor. Number four, New York Knicks, Porzingis. Number five, the Orlando Magic took Herzonia. Number six, the Sacramento Kings took Willie Colleystein. Number seven, the Denver Nuggets took Emmanuel Moutier. Eight, the Detroit Pistons took Stanley Johnson. Nine, the Charlotte Hornets um, took what's called Frank uh, the Tank. Uh, wait, what's it not? Yeah, 10, we have Miami taking Justice Winslow. Number 11, Indiana Pacers took Miles Turner. 12, Utah took Trey Lyles. 13, Phoenix took D Book. 14, OKC took Cameron Payne. 15, the Atlanta Hawks took Kelly Oubre even though they traded that away to the Wizards. Um, number 16, the Boston Celtics took Terry Rozier. Um, some other notable names that y'all should know, Seti Osman, Pat Connaughton, Rich, er, I mean, Rashard Holmes, uh, Josh Richardson, Norman Powell, Harold, Larry Nance, Bobby Portis. Those are some, you know, they have, they, so they have enough, they have enough names to where you would know about them. A lot of those players got moved in the offseason, this free agency. So you should know them from there. You should at least heard their name. But anyways, with this redraft, at number one, I have the Minnesota Timberwolves sticking with their pick in Carl Anthony Towns. Unfortunately, Cat is going back to the, um, Minnesota. I'm sure he probably doesn't want to go back to Minnesota because they are a poverty franchise. And even with... um. Devin Booker's recent success, I still think Carlton Towns is the best player coming out of this draft. He's a big that shoots just under 40% from the three. He used to be at 40% from the three, but right now he's at 39.4% from her and on like six attempts a game. He's a career 23 and 11 guy. He's a top off. He's a top three offensive big in the league. Can't say all around big, but offensively, he's a top three big in the league. Defensively, he still, you know, he still needs a lot of work. He isn't a liability anymore. He used to be a bad liability. He's not a liability, 
but he's just average to below average on that defensive end. He needs, you know, he needs to step up on that side. He needs more help in Minnesota, and hopefully with a full, healthy season of D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards, you know, they can turn it around this year. We can actually see Carl Anthony Towns thrive. I know a lot of people make fun of him, say he's soft and everything after the Jimmy Butler incident, and... You know, but I still think Carl Anthony Towns is a really, really good center in this league, a really good player in this league. So I have Minnesota sticking with Carl Anthony Towns at number one. Um, at number two, the Los Angeles Lakers hit the lottery because they're getting Devin Booker. This is a match made in heaven. You have Kobe on the team still at the 10. RIP Black Mamba. You have Kobe on the team. And especially with all the comparisons and the iconic B legendary moment, having D book as the player to take over once Kobe retired, it's like Kobe retires and then you just hand it over to Devin Booker and be like, there you go. Going from one shooting guard to another shooting guard and Lakers can just be like, you know, they can continue on their greatness and everything like that. It's a match made in heaven. Um, Phoenix probably wouldn't be happy. They're losing their franchise player, but just seeing Devin Booker sit there, learn behind Kobe, watch everything, and just, I think that would just be crazy. And it just be, it would literally be legendary to see that, to have seen that happen. But it didn't happen. I think Devin Booker, you know, he 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 showcased, you know, he has that love for cars. He The way he dresses with his fashion and everything. He lives a L.A. kind of lifestyle. He has the L.A. look, if there was ever an L.A. look. He has a LA look. He looks like he does. He needs to be playing. He play. He steps up in big moments. He has all that about him. I think Devin Booker would have been perfect in Los Angeles, but he's in Phoenix, so it's just gonna be a dream. Um, the Philadelphia 76ers. I have them taking Kristoff Porzingis. Um, you know, KP has shown that he's more suited as a four rather than a five. So, you know, pair him along with MB. Have him be there at the four. That would be a crazy defensive and crazy rim protection at that time because they can both shoot. They can both post up. They can both protect the rim. I think that would just be crazy to have Porzingis and Embiid on the same team. Um, Philly tried that double big lineup with Okafor and Noel, but neither one of them could space the floor. So I think this one could actually work because Noel was a defensive big, and he could, but he couldn't space the floor, so he didn't work. Okafor was a offensive big that needed the ball in the low post, but he couldn't space the floor and he couldn't play defense. So neither one of them was it never was going to work with either one of them being there as the double big lineup. Have Porzingis there instead to space the floor efficiently and everything. Um, their guard play was pretty weak at the time, so I can understand some people being like, hey, I would go with either D'Angelo Russell or Terry Rozier or Norman Powell. I can understand you going that route. That's the route you decide to take. But me personally, I think they should go with that double big right there and just dominate having that elite defense, elite shooting, spacing, everything like that. And then they can draft, especially with the, the draft being next year, where you have people like Jalen Brown, Jamal Murray, Karis LeVert. You have all these other guards coming out. You could just grab one of those next year. Wouldn't really worry about it. And B missed out the entire year anyway. So Porzingis would have been by himself year one. So, you know, Porzingis could work. They still would have been bad. Porzingis could got all that work in, got his confidence up, and B coming next year, step in, and then they take their guard of the future. Then they have 
Then, then they're set because then they'll have their guard. They have their front court. Now they just need to get some shoot three and D players around them. And that's a championship contender team right there. I think Philly would have been, I think there's, there's in my opinion, they could have, they couldn't go wrong with Brzezinski, but I'm sure, like I said, other people have different opinions. Um, at number four, I have the New York Knicks taking D'Angelo Russell. Um, at the time, their guards were like Jimmer Fredette, Aaron Afala, Jose Calderon. So they needed, you know, they needed more guard work. Honestly, at the time, the Knicks needed help at every position. They needed help at every position. I think Carmelo, yeah, Carmelo was still there, but they still, <coughs> they still needed help at every position. Um, D'Lo has became somewhat underrated since leaving Brooklyn. You know, he's kind of fell off, you know, all those talk, been a top point guard. You know, his all-star season with Brooklyn, people were like, he's a top 10 point guard in the league. He's, he's nice. He's doing all these things, but now nobody really sees him in that light. Nobody really sees him kind of like that ever since he left Brooklyn, went to Golden State, then went, now he's been in Minnesota, struggling with injuries and everything like that, but he hasn't, he hasn't been known as one of those top guards anymore. I still think he can be up there on that level. I just need, think he needs to have a full, healthy year with K, and we can see him get back to that all-star level. I still think even with that, like that New York Knicks team, nobody else was really there shining outside of Carmelo. So I think Carmelo and D'Lo, you know, match them up. You know, maybe D'Lo still hits the all-star level. D'Lo also, you know, he was in Los Angeles. He lived a good lifestyle. I think he could fit that New York lifestyle as well and ball out. Number five, I have the Orlando Magic taking Terry, Scary, F. Drew Bledsoe, Rozier. You know, I have, you know, Celtic great. Love that guy. Wish we never got rid of him. We really messed up there. I really, I really miss Terry Rozier, but he's doing big things in Charlotte right now with Victor Oladipo and Vucevic already there. You know, they already they 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 needed a point guard. They need another guard. I think they need another point guard, but they took a guard in Herzonia at first. Victor Oladipo isn't a point guard. Victor Oladipo is a good shooting guard. Have Victor Oladipo there at the shooting guard. Put Terry Rozier at the point guard. You still have Vucevic. Um, I mean that I think they they would have had a good team. They had Evan Fournier still there. They had Aaron Gordon there, Tobias Harris. That would have been an elite team. You think about it, Terry Rozier at the point guard, Big Old Depot at the two, um, Evan Fournier at the three, either Aaron Gordon or Tobias Harris at the four, having the other one come off the bench. Maybe even having, you know, Evan Fournier come off the bench and go on with the Aaron Gordon and Tobias Harris uh lineup right there and then Vucevic at the five. That would have been a really good offensive team. They took they did take Alfred Payton the year before. So I don't think they were they were really looking for a point guard, but that that didn't work out for them. And you know, Terry Rozier has been shooting 40% from the three these last couple of years, been playing very well on ball, off ball, doing everything well. And I think he's he's played well enough to be a top five pick in this draft, in this redraft. So I I would have Terry Rozier going with Orlando at five. At six now, I have the Sacramento Kings taking Norman Powell. Um, we're going to go with where, yeah, Norman Powell's a good pick right there. He's going for going for need. When you're looking at it, going for need at the time, they need another scorer. Not another big at this time. I don't know why they went big. They need another scorer at the time. They had Rondo there still. 
think he led the league in assists that year. I think that I think that was the year Rondo was there. Yeah, he led the league in assists. He balled out. Um, they had spot up shooters like Bellinelli and Seth Curry. They also had uh, I think Ben McElmore um was still there. Uh, I think I think I believe he was still there. And yeah, they had Bellinelli, Curry, and Ben. I think yeah. So they were still they still had good shooters there. Powell's a good scorer, and you know. He shot 40% from the three in the last four years outside of this last year where he got traded, and he still went over there and played well in Portland. Every other year besides the last year he shot, in these last four years, he shot 40% from the three. So I think he could go there, be a good scorer, show, you know, space the floor even more, and just be help help the Sacramento Kings out. I don't think he'd be enough to jumpstart him, but I think he'd still be enough to help them out. At number seven, I have the Denver Nuggets taking Kelly Oubre. Uh, Denver was already solid at the big position at the time. You know, they had a young Jokic and a young Nurkic. So they don't need a big. I'm going to have them taking Kelly Oubre because, you know, I'm I you, I'm not going to lie. I was too high on Kelly Oubre. After that, um, after he was balling out in Phoenix and everything, almost averaging like 90, I said 90, 19 points a game. You know, he had good efficiency. I was one of those people that was hyping him up like, dang, Kelly Oubre's a fringe all-star. Kelly Oubre could be an all-star. Kelly Oubre's all this. He's really good. I was a big Kelly Oubre fan, and I, I jumped the gun way too much. But he's still, he's still um, a really good scorer. He's somebody that can be a solid defender. He can be a solid off-ball player as a third or four, fourth option, and I bless he's. I believe he's the best wing available right here, and I think Kelly Uber would be the best pick right here at um, number seven for Denver because, like I said, they already had Jokic there. Jokic wasn't Jokic yet, but just having another score right there along Jokic, alongside Jokic, so we know what Jokic is going to become. I think that'll work out perfectly. At eight, I have the Detroit Pistons taking Josh Richardson, latest Celtics. You know. Latest Celtics, great. Hopefully great. We're going to see how he pans out. But the latest Celtics player, we're going to have him, Josh Richardson. They originally took Stanley Johnson, who tried to make the niche out of being, you know, a fearless, tough defender and the guy that didn't back down from LeBron. And that didn't pan out, obviously. So I'm going to have them taking another defender in Josh Richardson. And the only thing is Josh Richardson has a much better offensive game than Stanley Johnson has while still providing the defense early on and the playmaking. Um, we, you know, Josh Richardson thrived with the ball in his hand right there with Miami. And at the time, the Pistons didn't really have a true playmaker. They had Brandon Jennings. They had Steve Blake. They had Reggie Jackson and a young Spencer Dinwiddie that wasn't, you know, really the Spencer Dinwiddie we know now. So I think he could, he could, he could come out there, play well. I mean, he shot 46% from the three his rookie year. Obviously, that dropped majorly, and that's not where he is anymore. He's not a 40% three-point shooter anymore, but his rookie year, he balled out, shot 46%. Those Miami years, he was he looked really, really good with the ball in his hand. So I think that uh, young Josh Richardson coming out, they didn't have that many playmakers putting the ball in his hand. I think he could he could really he could really do well. Because remember, this was a playoff team. They went up and they played against LeBron and everything, got destroyed. But this was a playoff team. You put plug and play Josh Richardson instead of Stanley Johnson at that starting forward position. I think they'll be all right. I think they'll be all right. Um, Charlotte at number nine, they originally took Frank the Tank. However, this time they will get the pick right by taking Miles Turner. I'm glad we did not trade up to this pick. I remember the Celtics had offered um, 
like a crazy amount. I think it was like, I think we offer six total pick, like six total. It was like three or four first round picks along with like two or three pick swaps. So it was like six total picks to move up to nine. That's what we offer Charlotte. And so we wouldn't have had our Tatum and Brown combo because we were giving away all our picks to move up to nine to take Justice Winslow. And I'm glad Charlotte declined. They were like, no, we're not taking this draft. We're not taking this trade because we're going to take Frank the Tank and we're going to ball out and, you know, be legendary. Glad they were dumb because Frank the Tank didn't work out. I have them right now taking Miles um, Turner. Miles Turner wouldn't have to share the front court no more with Sabonis. He's a top three shot blocker in this league, and he can stretch the floor. He's a good modern-day big. He can defend, stretch the floor. The ideal big, in my opinion, like the ideal five, because I think a five in today's league, unless, if you're not going to be a superstar, like unless you like a Jokic or Joel Embiid, my ideal um, other starting five is a Miles Turner type five that can play defense and stress the floor. That's what I think, you know, accept your role, just be like that, do everything like that. The play, Pacers kept trying to make him their franchise player at one point, but he just, he's not built for that. So have him be there, be a good starting caliber center. And instead of having Frank the Tank there as your big man trying to be the big, the space the floor and do everything, have Miles Turner there, I think. I think that would be the best option for Charlotte right there. Number 10, the team that actually did take Justice Winslow that, so that we didn't have to trade up for him is Miami. So I I still have them taking Justice Winslow. Um, I like Justice Winslow. I actually went and saw Justice Winslow in person whenever they played Dallas. I was still living at Dallas at the time. I wanted to go see him play. So whenever they went, go play um, Dallas. I watched him, but if you go look, I'm pretty sure that has to be one of his highlights. Uh, at least it was one of his rookie highlights. Years there, there's a dunk that Justice Winslow does. He gets like a steal, and he goes up for a dunk. He travels. He obviously he takes like four or five. So he obviously travels. They don't call it. He gets this dunk, and it, it, it was cool at the time. But I was like, come on, travel. But I'm not a Mavic fan, so I didn't really care. I just like I just wanted to see him play in person because all this hype was around him. He didn't do anything really crazy outside of that dunk. But I still think they should stay with uh, Justin Winslow because he's solid. He's still a solid player, given how old their roster is at the time and the amount of, like, role-type players, you know, on this team. I think it'd be fair to stick with Justin Winslow because there's no, like, superstars left on the board. I think Justin Winslow still would be a good player to get here because, what's this, 20, it's 2015, right? So, yeah, Chris Bosh still there. They still have things like that. I don't. I just, I just don't see them taking anybody else. Really, I, I know you know you have some other bigs left on the board that you could take, but Chris Bosh is still there, and that's. I think I believe that's before he started having those health concerns with the blood clots and everything. So you don't. You're not expecting him not to play. So I. I still had them taking Justice Winslow at number eleven. The Indiana Pacers with Miles Turner gone, I have them taking Christian Wood. Christian Wood is still a good, you know, he's still a good big that can space the floor and play defense. No, not protect your rim and play defense as good as Miles Turner, but you know, play some solid defense, score the ball. He's a much better scorer than Miles Turner because he he's not just somebody that's just gonna sh- shoot and you know pick and roll, pick and pop type thing. He can create a shot, but Christian Wood did struggle early on. Due to all those attitude problems. Can you remember? He had attitude problems 
He didn't. I, I can't I think it was like he was acting cocky. He was doing all these other things, and it turned the GMs off. And they didn't really want him. He fell out of the league because of his attitude problems, and it took a while for him to build back up to become mature enough to where he could come in, he could show his talent, he could do everything and show everybody. That's why it took him so long. You, I think he just started breaking out because he wasn't getting chances at first because he had those attitude problems and he had to figure he had to figure out how to be an NBA player. Infield wasn't <clears throat> for those early attitude problems. I probably have him taking you know top ten, possibly top five in this draft. But because of that, and I know how early on it was, if we could, if I could guarantee that if we skip those attitude problems, I'm taking that early. But since we can't guarantee that, and if history repeats itself and he he struggles early on, then I don't, I I, I think 11 will be a good spot to take him because then it's like, don't give up on him, let him figure it out. And you still get a really good player at 11. You don't have to take that risk. If he does still have those problems, cool. If he doesn't, I mean, I mean, if he doesn't, cool. If he does, then, you know, you took him with the 11th pick, you can move on. Um, he, he, he's a, he's a, he broke out in Detroit before coming to Houston. He's a, he's a really good power four or a good small ball five, however you want to use him. He can space the floor, create a shot, decent handle, can protect the rim, like I said, at above average rate. And <laughs> I don't remember if y'all remember this, but at the beginning of the season, everybody were locking him in to be an all-star they were people were saying crazy things on social media. They were like he was a top three big in the league, possibly the best center in the league, and he was just balling out. I was like, yo, 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 you gotta relax. But he was balling out starting off this year, and it, it was crazy how good he he came out. Um, at number twelve though, the Utah Jazz are taking Montrez Harrell. They originally took Trey Lyles, who didn't work out. So I haven't just taken another big Montrez Harrell instead. You know, undersized big, gives you those Kenneth Faree type vibes, but, you know, offensively instead of defensively, you know, has that six-man of the year award, was a key contributor on that Clippers team, averaging 18 points a game. So we see he can score. He can ball out when he's given the opportunity. He struggled with the Lakers due to his, you know, lack of ability to space the floor. It wasn't the best opportunity. I see where he was trying to go. He was trying to get a wing. But that wasn't the best opportunity for him because you look at the roster construct, there wasn't a lot of spacing. So a big, undersized big that doesn't play defense, that can't shoot the ball, that doesn't fit there. But you put him on another team, he you know, put him in the right situation. He can still thrive coming off the bench and be a still be a really good six man and be a good offensive big, you know, for the in the league. So I take I think Utah taking him right there, no problem whatsoever. At number 13, the Phoenix Suns taking Bobby Portis. And I know Phoenix is not going to be happy with how things just ended a couple months ago and Portis showing out like he did. And, I mean, they probably not happy to take him, but I think that's be the best fit right there. He provided, you know, he proved to be a good key piece in what's called and a good role player on that championship team, the, the Milwaukee Bucks. He showed the confidence that can't take, be taken for granted. He's a forward that can score, space the floor, and, you know, not get taken advantage defensively. You know, everybody always, you know, you have these players that look like they can score, they look like they can do X, Y, and Z, but it doesn't matter if they don't do it in the playoffs. They do it in the regular season, they don't do it in the playoffs. They don't do it in the championship when the lights shine the brightest. And we saw Bobby Portis come out there, and he showed he could do it when the lights shine the brightest. And you can't take that for granted. So I'm going to take Bobby Portis at 13. Number 14, the Oklahoma City Thunder, um, huh? 
You know, Russ is going to be losing his dance partner because I'm not taking um, Cameron Payne here. Uh, Russ is going to lose his dance partner. He's not in. This is when he had that legendary season. No, legendary season came up after this season because this was Katie's last year. And this team was built for defense and had a lot of side. And so I think I'm going to take Larry Nance Jr. here. Larry Nance Jr. would be a good, good spot for him right here. Because, like I said, they looked at defense. They looked at size. That was how this Oklahoma City Thunder team was built. So I think you have Larry Nance Jr. right there to help Ibaka and then replace Ibaka whenever he leaves. He can play some four. He can play some small ball five minutes. He's just He was just an athlete coming out. But, you know, he we basically saw he can develop a three-point shot, became a better defender. You know, he's a solid starting, cal- I mean, starting caliber four in this league. So I think Larry Nance Jr. would be a good place right here. Washington. I have, I don't know. I have the, man, see, see, see. Here's why I'm messing up. Here's why I'm messing up. Because I think I want them to take Willie Cauley-Stein. But I also don't think that'd be the best spot for him. Um, I'm going to have the Wizards take a swing on Moutier. He didn't pan out in Denver, but having him learn and play behind his draft day comparison could prove to be really good for his development. He wasn't off in his rookie year. He played solid defense, and he just needed to develop that shot. So with this team, I think Ramon Sessions was their backup point guard. So Emmanuel Moody as their backup point guard right behind wall, learning behind wall, doing everything like that. I think we could – I just take it – at 15 and 16, I'm taking swings on players and hoping that di- the different scenery changes how they develop and everything. So I'm going to take a swing on Moutier because I still think if Moutier was developed properly early on, he could have still been okay. I don't think he's going to be – he was going to be as people hyped him up to be to be the next John Wall, but I think he still could, could be a really good starting caliber point guard in this league. So learning behind John Wall, doing everything like that, I think that could work out for him. At 16, the Boston Celtics. Now here, here's where I got to put logic over bias. Coming out of this draft, I was in love with Jaleel Okafor. I, I was one, I will admit it, I was one of those fools. I was one of those fools. I was watching them in high school, watching them at Duke, and I was like, dang, we got the next Hakeem Elijah Wan coming out here. Boop, bat, look at the footwork look at i used to always be like i'm like look at that man's footwork it was phenomenal i was like golly people were talking about his buckets and i'm like man bump the shot look at his feet the footwork was magnificent i was like yeah yeah the post game is back the post game is back we got hakeem we got kevin McHale. we got all these greats right here just in Jalil little I, I was one of those people hyping them up Talking my talk like, yeah, he even came out and put up 17 and 7 in his rookie. I was over there like, yeah, what we going to do? Jaleel Okafor all the way, and then we see how he ends up now. So I want to take Jaleel Okafor right here because, you know, he still had Avery Bradley, Isaiah Thomas. They could, they could, they could space the floor. Jaleel Okafor didn't really have – they could space the floor. But that man don't play defense, and that man don't really shoot the three. So I don't know if I can take him here. And even though I want to take Okafor here because I was a fan of him at the time and Adrian from years ago would be like, take that man. I'm going to have him take in Willie Colley-Stein because he hasn't gone off the board yet. Willie Colley-Stein, um, 
Willie Collinstein, you know, Porzingis, like everybody said that um Porzingis was, you know, obviously the best better player than Willie Collinstein. But Willie Collinstein came out and said, I remember he was saying that he felt like he could be as good or, you know, like a player like Porzingis, he feels like him and Porzingis have a similar skill set. He's just not given the opportunity that Porzingis has been given. So, hey, I don't feel that way. But, hey, Willie, come out here and prove yourself. This Boston team didn't have much. They had IT and AB. We we could have we figured it out. Kelly Linick was there spacing the floor. You know? We gonna we gonna figure we gonna see if you really like that Willie Collie sign. So I'm gonna take like I said I'm I'm all for taking swings on players later in the draft. So let's see. Hey, take a swing on them. See if we knock it out the park. We are gonna see. Uh, yeah, I'm taking Willie Collie Stein. Poor Zingas light. Um, but anyways, it's been another episode of the Athletes Podcast. Always, always, always remember to respect women. Respect them queens out there. Let me. I bet not find out y'all out there disrespecting the queens. Now we we. We are, we respect women always. We will always respect our queens. But like I said, always remember to respect women. But most importantly, remember to respect yourself. Because simping ain't pimping. Like I said, respect them. But don't lose respect for yourself. Trying to respect them. My kings, my brothers out there. Don't, don't do it. But we out. Mm-hmm.